cliffcentral.com. All right, so many things to talk about this morning, but it is time for something that I think has become a staple for many of us. Uh, Dr. Hanan Bushkin is here with It's Going to Be Okay. Um, that is true, right? Still still now, I'm just checking. Hanan, it's, it, it hasn't changed. It is still going to be okay, right? After last week Absolutely. and everything we saw. Because when we had you on last week, there wasn't uh, yet that much evidence of um, all, all of the violence, the looting, uh, the terror that took place for so many people in KZN and, and parts of Gauteng. So I thought we'd check in this morning on your mental health with Dr. Hanan. And this week we delve into the psychology behind some of the looting and the repercussions for those who were involved against their will, especially, you know, kids and what you tell them about what's going on in the news, because kids are not stupid. They can see what's happening. So I'm going to start off, Dr. Hanan, if you don't mind, with a Facebook um, update that was given by Lauren. So Lauren had this to say on Facebook, and I'm just going to put it on the screen. She said, I just watched a video clip on ENCA where a man in Durban was being interviewed about why he was looting. He said he's always followed the rules. He has never done something criminal like this before. He has been unemployed for some time, but he has never felt as free as he does now in the frenzy of looting. Is this as clear cut as we believe? And maybe that's a great place to start. So what do you think of all of this and, and what's the mentality? What's the what's the thought process that goes, first of all, through a looter's head and second of all, how the rest of us feel about society and civilization around us falling to pieces? So, yeah, it's been a really tough week. You just had to turn on the on the TV or the radio and every conversation to be had is about was about like, you know, this country you know, falling apart and the system being broken and the looting and the stealing and what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? The thing about uh, the mob mentality, it's that's the real thing. You know, you get some really good people, uh, just people, um, mm. people that uh, want to follow the law, but within the group mentality, uh, with the group psychology, they just get sucked into this wave because something really interesting happens once people – are sucked into a group, um, a couple of things actually happen. One of the things that we call de-individuation, when people are part of the group, they experience a loss of self-awareness. You know, when you are, when it's almost like when you're drunk and you're at the club, like suddenly who you are and what you're about just disappears and suddenly it's about the music and it's about the vibe and it's about other people. The other thing that happens in group within group mentality or group psychology is that when you're a part of the group, individuals lose their sense of individual identity. Suddenly it's not me, Hanan, the father, me, Hanan, the husband, me, Hanan, the psychologist. It's actually a take on the identity of the group. And if the group is looting, that becomes part of my identity. I get sucked into that and that's real. Obviously within also group mentality, emotions are very high. And we know what happens once people feel deep, deep, deep emotion. So people do crazy things when they're angry and people do crazy things when they're sad and people do crazy things when they're insecure that later on when they're calm and in control, they go, I can't believe I actually did that. But when emotions are high, people are actually just lose their part of the brain. You know, this, this, we call this the prefrontal cortex. Yes. The prefrontal cortex is designed to actually regulate our behavior. And we know from scans that once emotions are high, mm -hmm. the prefrontal cortex actually shuts down. There's no logical thought. Later on, when we calm down, then we go, we kind of connect the dots and go, I can't actually believe that I did that. Also within a group mentality, there's a loss of uh, identity and you become anonymous. You kind of get sucked into the group. So it's not me as an individual 
but I get lost in a group. So if we get punished or I don't get punished, we all get punished, but I'm just a little, a little drop in the ocean. You're one cog in the huge big wheel. So so can you, can you explain to me, because clearly, I mean, there's nothing that has been done by a mob that's been really good in the history of humanity. Mobs usually do tremendous amount of damage um, because of that loss of individuality and of, of personal responsibility. I mean, we prize those things in society. We always look to people who have the maximum amount of accountability as being the ones who keep civilization together. How do we get people to stop using that reptile brain that makes you feel part of a feeding frenzy, which is exactly what happens when you throw meat into a pit of crocodiles, right? I mean, that's exactly what it is. They're, they're lizards. They lose their their morality, their sense of self, their individuality, their sense of responsibility, all those things you've just detailed because the prefrontal cortex gets short-circuited and, and the reptile brain takes over. Now, how do we get the reptile brain switched off again and take control of ourselves and do the right thing? Because I don't think I am exceptional. I don't think I'm special. I don't think I have any power that other people don't have. But I've never been part of a a mob, a a riot, a protest group. Um, And when I've – even you were talking about the club situation earlier when people are drunk together. I still don't feel – like I've completely surrendered my individuality. Surely it's a bad thing to do that, Dr. Hanan. How do we get back from that place? You know, even though the, the term mob has got some, it's got a negative connotation, we can do some amazing things as a mob. Think about even the cleanup that was going on. And as a mob, people just got, got together and started taking their identity. And that's good. That's good when you get part so it's of not, a group it's not always that bad. has... It's not always bad at all. You can use it for the good, but your question was valid. How do we stop the reptilian brain from kicking in and how do we actually function with good? Well, two things. One, you have to stop functioning on autopilot. You've got to actually start being aware of the world around you and ask yourself whether what you're doing is good. But I always encourage people to be led by common vision. Never lose track of your vision. You know, the number one question that I ask that people don't have an answer to is, what do you want? Mm. What do you want? And it's kind of interesting because people kind of function on autopilot. And um, in essence, nothing really has, in in its true sense, nothing really is good or bad. So if somebody says to me, I just had a whole cho- uh, chocolate cake, is that good or bad? The answer is, I have no idea. What do you want? Because if the vision is to lose weight, then that was wrong. And if the vision was to enjoy every minute of your existence, then that was pretty good. So things only are good or bad depending on the vision, on the goal. So be led by a goal and a vision that's very good and pure. But for that, we need a leader. We need a common leader that will say, there's the true north. But the problem with the mob mentality, especially in a negative sense, is you're being led by a so-called leader, even though it's really an invisible one. It's a mob mentality. It's a common mob direction that is leading you towards the bad but find a leader, and by the way, if there's nobody outside, find a common vision within you that is your true north. Well, I mean, there are lots of questions that come out of this. Um, the freedom of going against the laws of society, issues of desperation, frustration, need to regain some sort of power. I, I also think there have been a lot of people trying to make excuses for mob behavior in the last little while, which irritates me. First of all, because they don't have a mandate from that mob. Many of the people who are trying to explain this away by using arguments from 
inequality or arguments about poverty or arguments about what criminality really is and are poor people genuinely ever able to be criminal. All of these these people have probably never even met any one of the people in that mob of looters. Um, and yet they jump to their defense immediately. They have They have some kind of cooked up political argument, ideological argument for this. I'm amazed. Right, you know, yeah. You know, I, I was uh, people th- the whole weekend were asking me questions. What do we do? What do you? How do you understand this group mentality or this mob mentality? And the common thing that I hear a lot is, "I oh, know I, I don't have an issue with poor people stealing food." <laughs> and I'm like, I think, I, so, I think we've lost so kind of our sense of direction. It's so patronizing. How can you say that about poor people? Who do you think you are that you're better than them? That you can give them a different standard than you give yourself? And how, how full of yourself do you have to be to say that? Completely. And to say just poor people still, I mean, yeah. what happened now in government? What happened to the 500 billion rand? I mean, those people were not poor. So to say poor people still, it's so stigmatizing and judgmental towards, I mean, <laughs> you know, Unreal. people people are good and people are bad. And some things like sometimes we get sucked into a world that we don't actually intend on getting sucked into. But be conscious. Be conscious of what what is guiding you. What's your true north? All right. Now let's talk about people who have been a little bit or a lot traumatized by what's happened this week. Um, I know somebody who she was sitting at the window with her kids and there were, you know, thousands of people walking past with very traditional weapons and screaming and shouting. Some of them were drunk. Some of them were breaking stuff, setting things on fire. And she has been very seriously and genuinely traumatized by this. Her kids also have seen what's been going on. Kids pick up on things, right, Dr. Hanan? Kids know when there's something going on in the neighborhood. Kids know when there's something in the news. They've all been exposed to this coronavirus stuff for such a long time now that they're already antsy. And kids are going into themselves because they are, they're, they're, they're worried that the world around them is falling apart because the adults around them are constantly talking about how the world's falling apart. What are the long-term implications of this? And what advice do you have for people who are trying to keep sensible and sane during a particularly trying time? Right. So, you know, we all want our brain really functions well when it feels in control. The moment we feel that we don't know what's coming up next, then the brain almost short circuits. It needs to find that sense of control that one plus one equals two. To all parents, I want to give you an analogy. Imagine you are sitting at the back of the plane. Uh, you're flying wherever, and there's crazy, crazy turbulence. Imagine the captain at the, comes on the speaker and is freaking out. We're going to die. How are you going to feel at the back of the plane? Or imagine the captain doesn't come up on the speaker at all. You're going to be like, well, you're going to create monsters in your head. Are we going to die? So the, you are, as as parents, the captain's of your children's flight. Now, the mistake that parents make, twofold. One, they don't speak up where there's turbulence happening in their children's lives and their children children create monsters in their head. And, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Are we going to get hurt? Are we going to die? Or the second thing that parents do as, as the analogy of the plane is they go, there's nothing to see. Nothing to see. Nothing to see. Don't look outside the window. You're imagining things. And in essence, what they're doing is they're gaslighting their own kids. Because their kids feel it. We see it. We, you know, we, we're not blind to what's happening around yeah. us. Smart. So to turn to your kids and go, there's nothing to see, only freaks them out even more. Obviously, depending on the age of the child and their maturity level, 
you would actually explain to the children what are going on. Of course, you wouldn't tell a four-year-old, you know, they're, they're bad people stealing from shops. But maybe somebody that's a little bit older and a little mature that can actually understand and piece it together, you would be much more verbal and much more expressive. So explain to your kids the worst thing that a parent, one of the bad things or the worst thing that a parent can do is not make one plus one equals two for their kids. Give your kids enough information to close the loop to make sense of their world. Now, how do you know when you haven't? When your kids come back with more questions. When your kids stop asking you questions, Mm. then you know you've closed the loop. Because let me tell you something. If you don't close the loop for your kids, Google will. Their best friend will. Their friend of friends, their friends of friends of friends and social media and TikTok will. So (laughs) you better close the loop for them so TikTok doesn't. Yeah. I mean, Andre makes exactly that point. He says these poor kids, um, some parents just shove a screen in their face to cope. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, distraction, distraction, distraction. And what that does, it just kind of takes their focus away from the turbulence. But when they come back to the turbulence, it's the same questions. Well, Edithiria says we don't do our kids any favors by lying to them. Honesty in terms they understand is better. 100%. Yeah, Leanne, you wanted to say something. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, I don't have kids and um, I don't have many children in my family, so I often don't think about, uh, it's not top of mind for me what's going on in their heads. But what you've described, Dr. Hanan, is very much what goes on in my own head. There are certain things that I have to close the gaps on, on information that's missing. Otherwise, I will develop this crazy story in my head and it'll be 10 times worse. You know, I kind of, I judged myself for going onto TikTok and going onto the news and watching the videos of looting that were going on. Um, and I thought, you know, am I being sensationalist or sensational, sensationalist seeking? No, I'm not actually. I'm, 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 I'm preventing those monsters from, those monstrous stories from growing in my head. I'm showing myself what the reality is. I'm saying, right, this is what's out there. Now I can deal with it mentally. It, it was a similar situation when um, I, I found a deceased family member and um, I wasn't able to, you know, look at them after I'd discovered their body. I'm sorry if this is really grim. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but in, in in retrospect, I wanted my cousin, who's a doctor and who did examine the body, to explain to me what he looked like because I was creating this other huge story in my head of how awful he must have looked. When he when he didn't, or or he did, and then I could deal with it. For sure, for sure. And Leander, what I would say to, to to you and the people that are watching the news is that, of course, we get sucked into that world because we want to make sense of it. We want somebody to close the loop. But the problem is, the more you watch it, the more loops open. Suddenly, you went from one plus one to one plus two divided by seven mm-hmm. times, whatever, mm-hmm. and suddenly it's even more confusing. So watch as much as you need to in order to protect yourself and then beyond that focus your attention on things that you can control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, but, you know, if you have your wits about you, you can feel when you're reaching that point where you're watching too much. Very much so. When you, you've seen enough and one video starts to look like the next, that's probably a, a warning sign. That's about being conscious, sure, conscious of what, what you're engaging in. Guys, absolutely. Um, Go ahead, and then we've got to um, wrap it up. Sorry, we just we, we're running into yeah, seven. Go ahead. Just one question quickly is: um, Do you think uh, is there any evidence? And I'm not asking you to be a prognosticator here. I'm not going to hold you to this uh, forevermore. But do, do you think there's any 
chance that we're going to move forward and people might actually think harder about having children because now we kind of know that this is possible, right? As South Africans, and I'm just talking about South Africa, is that as South Africans, we haven't really seen this since sort of 94, 97, until th- that sort of period mm-hmm. in, our, in our history. Do you think people might have to, will, us middle-class people will think hard about having kids because of, of moments like this, which, uh, which, is, which has been such an interesting thing for me because of, of kids getting traumatized, or do you think we'll just get back to normal? So, Valelo, you know, it's a good question. I was listening to the show earlier on, and Gareth was quite right in terms of when in the history have we ever been stable and safe? You know, it, it doesn't exist. We Sure, we have moments where we feel in control, but then we go through our ups and then we go through our downs, and that's life. That's the cycle of life. So to stop yourself from having kids because things are tough, well, I'm not too sure when then anybody will have kids I mean, the, because the people, stable people, doesn't exist as a state. People were having kids in the middle of the Black Death in the Middle Ages. They knew that the chances are the kids would be born and die virtually a couple of days later. But they still did it. Survival, man. For sure. Survival. Dr. Hanan, thank sure. you so much. We will catch up with you again to see you. in another week. Uh, and you can uh, always listen to the podcast from previous uh, episodes. And by the way, if you if you have anything that you'd like us to talk to Dr. Hanan about, maybe you've got a personal situation that you'd like him to unpack and help you with, and in so doing, the rest of us can gain some useful information and knowledge, then please let us know. That's all you have to do. Gareth at cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.